Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven talk radio that promotes happiness from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights trendsetters and change agents who offer sound emotional fitness tips for improving mental muscle tone and greater well-being. Guest experts include a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who are devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and positive lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart. And this show is most definitely all about the heart. So today we are on the continued hunt for human happiness. And what is that positive prescription for a good life? My first guest is Dr. Samantha Boardman, who is a friend of our show. She is a clinical instructor in psychiatry and assistant attendant psychiatrist at Weill Cornell Medical College. She received her BA from Harvard University, an MA in Applied Psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, and a medical degree from Cornell University Medical College. Dr. Boardman has published papers and journals including Translational Neuroscience, the American Journal of Psychiatry, and the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. Through her new and fabulous website, PositivePrescription.com, she shares insights from the psychiatry and psychology community with readers and explores the way psychology, culture, and science intersect. And Samantha, I'm so excited to have you back and to have a, like a virtual celebration with you about your site. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about my favorite topic on my favorite podcast. <laughs> Yes, it's it's mutual. And you know, I I was I had a giggle when I was reviewing my notes and and on some of our talking points and you and I come at this um happiness business from I think two different um hypotheses. Ours or mine over here being that happiness is an inside job and yours is that it does not come from within, but I think we actually end up in the same place. Talk a little bit about that. <laughs> Well, you know, I think people sometimes, you know, they'll come to see a psychiatrist, uh, you know, and they say, like, I just want to be happy. And, you know, and I think one of the myths I learned in medical school was happiness comes from within and this kind of deep dive, this self-exploration and this, this notion, this sort of fixed happiness that if I know my true self, that, and I can reveal that to myself, I can sort of live a more authentic life. 
And so sometimes, though, what you know, I think that it's, it's valuable to sort of, you know, be introspective, but the value of social connection. So sometimes I'll say happiness doesn't come from within. It comes from with, you know, doing things with others for others in the service of something larger than oneself. And sometimes to focus more on cultivating those social connections, you know, and social connections is like the greatest predictor of long term ha- happiness. You know, I think it's like a point yeah. seven correlation. It's really high. And how do we have um it's not that we have good relationships how do we cultivate them over the long term and that i think that's really a a, a keystone sort of a, a real tool for well-being i agree with you actually and here's where we're sisters in joy because when i say that happiness is an inside job I'm really looking at the aspect of self-mastery and self-regulation. And when when we can control the only person on the planet possible, which is ourselves and mainly our attitudes, because we can't really control yeah. the experiences that go on, that's that internal construct that I'm coming from. you know, And that's where I think we do land in the same place. Well, and I like what you say about it being an inside, like a job, too, and the idea of yeah, the yeah. Right. That it's active. It's not sort of this passive experience. But, and I also really believe that it's not just sort of how we think and our attitudes and sort of our mindset around it. It's often actually what we what we do as well. And sometimes it's the opposite of what we want to do. And I have this like I often think maybe it's the best thing to do instead of being my, like be yourself all the time. And that's sort of advice people often give. It's actually at this moment do something that's on you. You know, whenever I have to give a talk to a lot of people and I get a little anxious, but I'm pretending to kind of play it cool. The last thing I want to be is myself. I pretend I'm Barbara Walters. And that idea of actually like, like outsource sometimes some of the stuff. Look outwards. Who's somebody you admire? What would they do in this moment? You know, rather than sort of let me think about myself or, you know, wh- where do I want to be? You're like, that's, that, that's not um, necessarily like I think that the best the deep dive, like look outside who's somebody you like a mentor or somebody you look up to or who would thrive in this moment. And actually, what can you do? Like, I think the, the action part, like as you say, a job, what are the things you can do that are, within, that are within your control, you know, like around like moving, eating, sleeping, stuff like that to take care of yourself? You know, it's funny, you you talk about, you know, tapping into that person that you most admire. And yesterday, I was um, talking with a a bunch of adults in in a program that I was leading, and talking about igniting the superhero, you know, that each one of us sort of has that comic figure character, that um, when we go to, you know, we automatically stand a little bit taller, you know, our chest puffs out a little bit, maybe our hands are on our hips, and we start, you know, rocking some confidence that we may not normally possess. Totally. And do you do you advise them to kind of then think of themselves as that superhero or to kind of put on their invisible cape? Or yes, how, how of course. Of you know, I'm like, I, you know, I'm manifesting my Wonder Woman, my inner Wonder Woman right now, you know, and I might not be feeling it. But when I, you know, bring that that recalling of uh, a positive image or a positive memory, which, you know, are, are, are common interventions used in positive psychology, it simply works because the emotion follows the action. Completely. And I think sometimes we get a little bit of psychiatrists, like we get a little stuck in the head, you know, so we just think of like, oh, you know, the head, like what you're thinking sort of informs what you do, but often what you do, I think really does inform how you think. And it yeah. goes both ways. And you know, if you can get somebody to put on the equivalent of their superhero costume, I and mean, we, when we see kids do it, you know, they 
that when you actually see a child physically put on a superhero costume, like they're physically transformed, you know, and I was, even feel, you know, women get a lot of, um, you know, it sort of dismisses superficial, like, what are you going to wear? Something like that. And, you know, I know that there are like sometimes like a dress that I'm going to feel strong in. And that actually, I think, does give me more confidence than maybe, you know, wearing something that I know that, you know, or that's not going to kind of help me kind of be the best version of myself. So those are sometimes some of my tools. You know, it's funny you mentioned the fashion thing. I was recently a witness at a a deposition, an expert witness, and I really thought about the shoes that I was going to wear to this deposition because I thought, you know, if I wear like my tallest, most pointiest stilettos, that I would ignite that, like, don't mess with me, girl, you know, that, that, that yeah. person, you know, that, you know, I had credibility, but that that could manifest that within myself to not be nervous, because I was being asked a lot yeah. of questions for hours. Yes. I, and did it help? Did you feel sort of stronger and sort of taller? Really? Yes. Yes. And the room was filled with male attorneys who were very, you know, physically large. And I felt like I I could hold my presence. And I really do attribute that to the shoes. And I know that that sounds silly, but it's like whatever it takes to ground yourself, whatever it takes to, you know, tap into these inner resources that all of us possess, you know, not just uh, wearing a good pair of stilettos, but that helps sometimes. You know, absolutely. And I think it, what you're, you're saying that there are so many sort of tools out there that can kind of help us. And I think sometimes they change too. whatever worked one time isn't going to work another. But to know that they're there and it's sort of like a, a smorgasbord, like a buffet and think like, OK, what's going to help me stay strong today? How do I kind of stay fortified within my stress? I need to stay strong within my stress. I can't get rid of it. So what can I do to work with it? Well, as a medical doctor, do you ever, and you do write prescriptions, I'm sure, from time to time, do you ever just like write your, your patients a prescription for happiness? I mean, this is really going into your website, but do you ever just like when you like you've had enough, they're not, they're not um, uh, exhibiting a willingness to change. Do you ever just like, like go have a happy life? You know, just well, you give know, them the, the piece of paper. Thing, like, I wish I had, I could write a prescription for is purpose. Like that's purpose. the... The, the standout, like if I could write a prescription, because then I think sort of a sense of, once you have that sense of purpose or meaning, that like sort of happiness or satisfaction or well-being is sort of a byproduct of that. So yeah. that, to me, if I could, if I had a magic wand, that um, really would be the, the what I would hand to, to everybody I meet and helping them cultivate that sense of purpose that is beyond themselves, that is ultimately fulfilling. And Sometimes I talk about like taking the long cut, not the short one. You know, it is what you talk about, mastery, a job well done, thought through, even the blood, sweat and tears, even the good stress that goes into hard work and doing something that isn't just about oneself and that really does reflect one's values um, is essential. And that's the purpose, I think, is really sort of inoculates us against stress and setbacks and is really at the core of resilience. Yes, we're going to need to go to a break in a minute. And um, I want to make sure that we really continue on this discussion about purpose, because when you look at um, great books that have been written, and I'm, I'm the, the first one that comes to mind is Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning, and that reconciliation mm. of um, how does how can life go on after horror, atrocity, trauma and adversity, and that that quest for purpose and meaning is the is the cornerstone of I, I believe in what I have experienced that leads us to a 
a, a post-traumatic growth and a better life actually because of those trials and tribulations. Absolutely. I mean, and you see that people are sort of stronger once they've navigated their way through the difficulty. And sometimes it can be the most defining experience of their life. Um, that, that, yeah, and that sense of purpose that sustains them. Yeah. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, um, we'll continue more on purpose, but also I want to talk about positive prescription because I want to celebrate you, girl. This is a good thing. To learn more about Samantha Boardman and her wonderful work, please visit positiveprescription.com. On Twitter, the handle is at SamBD. On Facebook, at Positive Prescription. And I'm going to give out an Instagram for those who are Instagrammers at Positive underscore Prescription. Here come those tunes. We shall be right back. And that's a promise. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times, we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are continuing on our hunt for human happiness with the fabulous Dr. Samantha Boardman, who is a clinical instructor in psychiatry and assistant attendant, I'm garbling, assistant attending psychiatrist at Weill Cornell Medical College. She's also a, not to mention a fabulous person, but the founder of a wonderful new website called positiveprescription.com, where she's sharing insight from the psychiatry and psychology communities with readers and exploring it in a bit of a unique and diverse way. So Samantha, prior to the break, we were talking about the importance, the value of purpose, and certainly you've discovered yours. And I'm wondering if you can add a little bit about how sharing others' purpose becomes that positive contagion or that positive virus that can help left, uplift others. Oh, thanks. It, well, it's really, I think, about the positive prescription grew out of this need to sort of share valuable information that was 
out there, but people weren't necessarily reading. And they say on average, I think five people read uh, an article in a medical journal, and that's including your mother. So, you know, that, that's, it's not a lot. And there's all this fabulous information, useful, that is worth reading. And there are all these incredibly smart, especially women um, who were there to soak this stuff up. And for me, it was really important never to make it finger wagging or bossy or sort of, oh, you should do this and to have it really all science based to give people more tools to add to, um, you know, their day and to their happiness and to their well-being. And so what's grown out of that is this new um, sort of new section of my website about extraordinary people inspiring individuals with a sense of purpose. So we have these questions, sort of like a Proust questionnaire, but it's very um, positively oriented. So I'll have questions um, for uh, what's on your nightstand? What gives you goosebumps? So sort of what um, inspires you? Who are your, um, what is your, um, uh, like, what, what do you, who do you look up to? Do you have a, a motto that you live by? And we've done some really interesting ones, one with Tori Birch, one with the artist Isabella Huffington um, that was really inspiring and creative. And I've been having a lot of fun and learning um, from these extraordinary people and having them the ability to share it. It is so cool. And what, what, um, is is who is helping you with this? You've got a team of people behind you. I, I'm so lucky. I have the most extraordinary two people who I work with, who I learn from every day. And I always think a good day is a day you've learned something. And um, and I learn from them. We have a wonderful sort of collaboration and dialogue. We're always trying to come up with new ideas about what we can do and how we can reach people more effectively. And so I'm always so inspired by you. But if you have any ideas or any of your listeners do, please let me know. Well, we will. We will. But I, I just I, I, I'll tell you how I stumbled upon the site, because we ha- we share a, a mutual uh, connection to you mentioned um, Isabella Huff- Huffington and mm-hmm. somebody sent me her profile. And as I dug into the site and I realized it was you, I was like, boom, there it is. It's no longer six degrees of separation. It's probably like two now with the with the uh, uh, continual uh, exponential growth of internet. And like, this is what we need. We all need um, um, pa- positive and powerful influences in our life. And you have got a newsletter called The Weekly Dose. Talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's really, you know, interesting science-backed information that I share and I, I, there are three articles in it every week that are brand new that uh, are delivering, or not delivering happiness necessarily, but I think delivering thoughtfulness and an opportunity to learn something around basically psychology-oriented, like little tweaks and changes that you could you know, apply to your life or share with somebody else. And it might even just be conversation. And really, that's kind of cultivating, I sort of think along three um, lines, either exploration, you know, learning something, looking outwards, um, sort of seeing, is there something new? The second thing is connection. Like, how can I share this? What can I share in here um, with somebody else? And how can it help me cultivate the relationships in my life? And the third one is fortifying. What can I do? Is this around like my diet, my exercise, my sleep? And I think when people are really stressed out, sometimes they do the exact opposite of the thing they, they would, it would help them sort of stay strong. They'll end up eating junk food. They'll binge watch Game of Thrones, you know, they will stay up all night, late at night, they'll cancel dinner plans with a friend. So all those things that would actually sort of help sustain you, they'll pull away from. And so you end up with this double whammy of stress. 
And so it really emphasizes those sort of little types of things. And it's a reminder, I think, and a way to engage and stay strong and fortified and connected, exploring and, you know, in a, in a, in a holistic way. You know, and talking about our self-care, um, I don't believe that most of us pay enough attention to the direct correlation of our self-care habits and how it impacts our, our happiness and our positive emotion and our mood regulation. And in those being what you just touched upon, you know, are we getting good sleep? Are we eating nutritious good food? You know, can we pronounce all the ingredients that are, we're putting in our body kind of thing? Um, because we, if we can't, we shouldn't be eating them, but that's another show. Um, are we right. exercising? Are we, are we being of use to others? Yeah, absolutely. You know, can you, you know, a good day, I do think is what I said, when you, when you learn something, when you do things for others, um, that really is like, that is at the core of well-being, And that, that's why, you know, sometimes I would prescribe volunteering, but I don't think you need to sort of necessarily go somewhere and formally volunteer. Sometimes it can be as simple as like holding the door for somebody doing some engaging some random act of kindness you know paying for the person behind you behind you coffee at starbucks these little things that these little social snacks i call them that can really help um you know make the difference between a good day and a bad day and there was some research in the 80s late 80s around uplifts and hassles and it's really not necessarily the big bad things that happen to you but how do you deal with the daily hassles that really can shape your well-being. And I've noticed that in psychiatry, people will come into my office at sort of big inflection points in their life or anticipating, you know, big transitions. But what it comes down to is really the choices they're making, the countless choices they're making every single day that make the difference between a good day and one that was really, you know, not so, that, that, was, that was more challenging. And it, sometimes it's around those really basic things around sleeping, eating, moving, but the social connection, the reaching outward and not, I think, totally that dive inward is really important. How do you connect with the world, with other people and really cultivate those connections rather than, I mean, in medical school, I learned how to help people deal with conflict in their relationships. Like, how can you fight better? And would always say like, oh, don't insult, you know, your mother-in-law type thing. But what it turned out <laughs> was actually, how do you, how do you actually like celebrate somebody? How do you connect with them? And there are three words at the end of the day. Like when somebody comes to you, like your partner, your loved one, your child with some news, instead of sort of ignoring them or, you know, oh, and looking down at your phone. Oh, that's great. Whatever. Did you see this? You know, or like sort of thumbing through your, through Instagram instead just saying, tell me more, give them your full attention. That is a much better predictor of, you know, a positive long-term relationship. Tell me more. Tell me more. Uh, Another one is I will listen to you. Yes. Yes. And like with your body language, put that phone down, you know, and, and really connect and, and engage give them your full attention. It's it's sort of the greatest gift. I love what you said about social snacks. You know, so this is what we're doing. We are social snacking right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love it. We should do this a lot. (laughs) We should, we should, we should, we social snacking is a must because it, you know, it keeps your blood sugar and your emotions stable. I love it. And I just saw this study. It was from college students and those who just spent the entire day studying for exams versus other ones who were in the library and like get up and like kind of go to the water cooler, have a coffee, chat with a friend. Those kids did better. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of the opposite of what every parent tells their child, like you just focus, you know, and stay in the library. Don't talk to anybody. 
but actually those social snacks, they seem to like it's when you take breaks like that and you don't then turn to your phone or email or even at work during lunch, if you're going to take a break, take a real break, go outside, walk around in the fresh air or have a face to face conversation with somebody that's amazingly invigorating and it gives people far more energy than, you know, checking their email. Yes. And these little social snacks don't really need to take a lot of time. That's that's the other thing. And those breaks actually like taking a break from something that we're focused on. We've got the brain going in one direction. We give it a little detour for a few minutes and we come back to that task. We're actually firing with a lot more focus and productivity because we have stepped away for a few minutes. Yeah, but so many of us, I mean, even for me, I've got to say it's really hard sometimes if I'm trying to focus and I'll think, oh, I'm so tempted to have lunch at my desk or just to stay there and sort of not look up. And and it's we have to sort of override the impulse to maybe do the thing that feels right, but ultimately, you know, is probably not going to be helpful. And that's where I often say, like, do the thing that feels on you at that moment. You know, even though we're always told to be authentic and to be yourself, but sometimes it's you know, good to sort of just question your choices, I think, and be like, wait, why am I doing this? Is this going to kind of help me stay strong today and help me kind of not feel stressed out? And even social snacks with strangers. I mean, I live in New York and I'm not necessarily condoning talking to strangers on the subway, but, you know, it does. (laughs) I mean, maybe in Malibu it's a little different. (laughs) But I think it's why, like, dog owners are happier. They have these random interactions with people, you know, and have casual conversations about something that just does give you that little boost, that little uplift. I want to just um, go back to something that we talked about a few minutes ago concerning stress, because we we talk about Mm. the importance of reducing stress in our lives. And speaking of stress, we're almost out of time, but I want to touch upon the good stress, which ties into that um, learning something new every day and that curiosity and stretching yourself just a tiny bit, because that's where growth happens. Absolutely. It's sort of in those like, sort of in-between spaces, I think, where, where, where you're not quite so comfortable. And I always think even in terms of aging, that all of us, um, that as people do age, those who seem to have the best memories and seem to have sort of greater life satisfaction, well-being, are stretching themselves. They're exploring continuously. They're adventures. They're the ones who are in their 90s telling you about their new project, you know, not what they did when they were sort of younger. And that good stress, it really gives a sense of purpose and meaning, um, you know, that, that hard work. Because even people have no stress in their lives. That's pretty stressful in a funny way. I think that there's, there's, there's an emptiness or a lack of like a sort of, of, a, of a compass or a, a sense of, of where they feel grounded. And I think as long as you have those values, and sometimes a question we'll ask is, okay, what are the three things you value most in their life? And that can help them connect to their purpose, like health, learning, giving back, or whatever. Well, how do you spend your free time? And you know, sometimes we'll say, well, you know, I kind of, you know, end up watching TV a lot or doing things that don't necessarily reflect that and trying to encourage more overlap between the two of your value system and how you spend your time, I think is also super fortifying and helps you kind of create the good stress. We are out of time, which means that you and I will have to do some future social snacking. Um, I want to give your contact information to learn more about Dr. Samantha Boardman and her her new venture. Please visit positiveprescription.com. On Twitter, that handle is, and it is a corrected handle, it is at Sam BMD on Facebook, Positive Prescription on Instagram, Positive underscore 
prescription, you can sign up for her newsletter, The Weekly Dose, on the website, positiveprescription.com. Dr. Samantha Boardman, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I loved it. Me too. Here come the tunes. We will be right back. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at harvestinghappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind, it's free, it's legal, and available 24-7. And we're talking about a very favorite subject around here, and that is Unearthing Where Happiness Lives, a positive prescription for life. And my next guest has done just that. He, along with his wife, are the co-authors of The Well Life, How to Use Structure, Sweetness, and Space to Create Balance, Happiness, and Peace. And I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Peter Borton today, who has co-authored the book with his wife, Brianna Borton. And they are also the creators of the Rituals of Living online community and Dragon Tree a holistic wellness brand. Brianna is a mastery coach with an extensive background in coaching clients to help them reach personal breakthrough and mastery. Peter is also a doctor of Asian medicine who helps people attain whole health of body and mind. He has authored hundreds of articles spanning topics such as stress, emotional wellness, nutrition, fitness, connection with ourselves and nature. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure. Let's talk about this structure, sweetness, and space, because I, I, I'm I'm right there with you. But how do we get there? <laughs> well, you know, obviously, first there needs to be an earnest desire to have your life be different. Um, but sweetness, for instance, is our term. This is really the essence of what it seems we're talking about here, which is. Uh, our term for all of the feel good and soul nourishing stuff in life from hanging out with friends to cooking to looking at beautiful art, listening to music, stretching, exercising and so on. And um, I think in terms of making that more of a priority in our life, um, it, part of it begins with not treating this part of life as a treat or an indulgence and really recognizing that this feel good stuff is deeply nourishing and fortifying. It's it helps you be more efficient even in the mundane day to day stuff. And so 
you need to schedule it into your calendar to make sure that it happens. That's the use of structure to make sure sweetness is a main part of your life. And then simultaneously, um, a process of beginning to consciously look for the sweetness in the everyday activities uh, can make a huge difference in your perception of life as well. And you talk about the structure, which really is the the framework or the the um, scaffolding that helps allow this to happen. Exactly. Um, I think that when we talk about structure, we're speaking of, as you say, sort of like your life architecture, the 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 structure that helps you get from point A to point B, that helps you complete goals, everything from the most minor, you know, getting your teeth brushed and getting to work to really ambitious, life-changing stuff. And uh, we're not necessarily suggesting that everybody needs more structure, but that their structure should be uh, forged in a conscious way. It should be intelligent and organic, and it should be flexible and graceful and allow for plenty of enjoyment along the way. So it shouldn't be just sort of a functional thing. Like if you, you know, crawl through this concrete pipe, that's going to get you to the other side of this river, that structure that might be functional, but at the total expense of any enjoyment, whereas creating a life structure, that's like a beautiful bridge or something, um, would allow you to maybe use your gifts and invite your friends and do all sorts of sweet stuff along the way. Well, I think Going back to the word architecture, because that's where I started out, my my first career is in architecture. I think there is something um, quite beautiful about seeing the metaphor that we have the ability to be the architects of our life, that we can blend art, design, aesthetic beauty, and also uh, functionality. And I don't think that, that that constricts us down to limitation. I think it creates a vessel or a building or a, a safe harbor with, within which we can expand. It's a really good point. And especially one of the words you said about, uh, now I can't remember what exactly it was, something like a limitation. A lot of our clients have definitely um, conveyed to us that they see life structure as being something that's going to stifle their freedom or confine them in some way. And we feel like you're just not viewing it in, a, in, in the same way that we are, that actually employing structure in a really conscious way can be liberating. Um, and there needs to be a basic measure of integrity there in order for that to happen. That is that you create a life structure and then you do what you say you're going to do. You honor your own agreements <laughs> with yourself. Um, yeah, therein lies the rub, right? <laughs> right. So, but in that case, if you were to say, you know, I set aside the next hour to play with my dog or something, um, Really, you know exactly what you need to do during that time in order to fulfill your agreement with yourself. And there's no reason to entertain any ideas of getting something else done at the same time or to depart from the present in your mind to go to the future or the past. If you want to keep your agreement with yourself, that means just being in this moment, which is a really liberating thing. Very liberating and very enjoyable when we can do it. I remember some time ago we had a guest on the show I believe it was called the Pomodoro method where you set a timer, like an mm -hmm. old fashioned kitchen yeah, timer for 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and see what you could get done. You know, you set up specific tasks that you can do within that period of time. And that is, that is quite structured, but it is surprising how much one can get done if you put your focus and attention there. Yes, it's true. 
Let's talk about space because that's the the, the uh, third element in this trifecta. So space is a hard one to put a finger on, um, and therefore it's a difficult thing for people to prioritize. Um, space is sort of the experience of expansiveness that occurs when we spend time in nature or we meditate or do some other spiritual practice or really just be in the present moment and our sense of what and who we are tends to open in that spaciousness and uh, some people tell us oh i i just don't have time for space in my life i have everything is scheduled back to back to back and um and that may be the case I would say in response to that, usually you probably have a greater need to open up some space in your schedule if you think that you don't have space for it. Um, but that experience of spaciousness is actually available even while you're in the midst of doing, you know, a bunch of different tasks and um, bringing your full focus to what you're doing, as we've already spoken of in these other uh, two elements, um, opens things up. It makes you feel like you have a greater buffer for um, things not going your way. You have a, an opportunity to respond intelligently rather than reacting to everything. You make a very interesting point about this space. And we all say it, I'm too busy to do those nice things for myself. And as you were talking, it made me think of like the fear and anxiety that, that we often feel or when we feel pressured, we sure have time for that. And we have time to talk about how we're feeling fearful or anxious or pressured and we don't have enough time. And it's almost like in the time it takes to explain why we don't have enough time, mm -hmm. we could have carved out those five minutes to at least just sit and be. It's true. Uh, there's definitely something to be said for just bringing your attention to, you know, what you're prioritizing. And oftentimes um, we spend more time and mental focus um, on the ways in which life isn't going the way we want it to be, rather than on um, appreciating all the things that are working. It's funny, you, you mentioned this yesterday, I was with a group of young adults, and I had given them a, a gratitude letter exercise to to write. And some people said they had nothing to be grateful for. They were so unhappy and so miserable. And then there was one young man who had been incarcerated, who talked about the hot shower, who talked about a meal that was different from, you know, bologna and beans kind of thing, and went really into this deep, juicy mm. detail about all the little things that he was grateful for when he stepped out of that prison. Oh, that's excellent. And I really hope that the other kids eventually uh, gain some sort of uh, awareness of what they have to be grateful for, too, because I think we all do, even in the hardest times. And that's yeah. really what gets us through those times is the ability to recognize what is working right now. What, you know, just the simple fact that I have a body that's essentially functional, that I can take a breath, that I can see a sunset. Um, there's always a ton to be grateful for if we are simply present for it. Agreed. Let's talk a little bit about um keeping one's word. Uh, we're going to go to a break in a couple of minutes, but we have time to, to begin begin to explore this because this goes back to that integrity that you mentioned earlier in our discussion and really walking our talk. Right. When we start teaching somebody to uh, 
clean up their life structure, to start to recognize ways in which their structure might be outdated or in which they started to just do life in a certain way without actually being taught that may or may not actually work with the present. Um, it's all kind of worthless unless the person has a basic measure of integrity. That is that they keep their word, as you say, that they um, that they do what they say they're going to do. And I think most of us have um, a decent sense of the importance of that with regard to our agreements with other people. But when it comes to ourselves, we're always willing to let ourselves off the hook. Um, and we're essentially giving ourselves the message that I don't really matter. Um, and it deeply undermines our trust in ourselves. And when we set out to do something really ambitious, um, we either have uh, a, you know, a bunch of evidence that we're likely to go through with it or that eh, we're probably not going to follow through. Uh, I love this. I think this is a key component to that happiness factor. Because if you're not able to live up to your own word and, and follow through on the things that you say that you are going to do that will actually serve you, it is um, an unreasonable expectation to believe that life can be different. It's true. It's the foundation of self-trust. And it's so fundamental in having confidence to know that no matter what happens, I trust myself to at least manage it somehow. And, you know, it's funny. I, I know that we need to go to a break. And I'm thinking if I can't trust myself to take us there gracefully, I know that my producer will. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we are going to follow through on that word. We're going to pause for a minute to learn more about Dr. Peter Borton and Brianna Borton. Please visit their website, thedragontree.com. You can find them and connect with them at Twitter at Dragon Tree Spa. And on Facebook, that page is The Dragon Tree. And the book that we're talking about is The Well Life, How to Use Structure, Sweetness, and Space to Create Balance, Happiness, and Peace. Here come those tunes. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappy at harvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. 
Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. We are talking about the well life with co-author Dr. Peter Borton. The well life is a new book that talks about how to use structure, sweetness, and space to create balance, happiness, and peace. Before the break, Peter and I were talking about integrity, you know, what it means to walk our talk, to follow through uh, with the things that we say we're going to do and commit to. So, Peter, this this notion of integrity, which really is the pivot point for so much of how we operate in the world, and, and, and I think also about what we attract to us. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, you know, it's hard to bring anything that we're really going to feel stable and secure in into our lives if we don't have that security within ourselves. Um, So we encourage people, at least as a starting point, to get clear within themselves as to what constitutes an agreement with myself. How am I languaging that in my mind? Does it mean that I'm making an agreement if I write it down or if I think I agree to this so that... um, we can start to have a certain degree of clarity um, around where we're in and out of agreement. Because generally, if we have broken agreements, um, there's a certain heavy feeling or feeling that something is wrong. And unless we're really clear about what we've agreed to and whether we've kept that agreement or not, we tend to just feel a general sense of kind of unease because we know that we're not being our word in some way. And the breaking of one's word in some ways is a is a betrayal of self like when we don't live up to what we say we're going to do yes there may be other people involved that could be hurt by that process but essentially we're really it's self betrayal we're not living up to being our best self i agree it's sad really because i think if we would just uh, honor ourselves and believe in ourselves and and respect how much we really have to bring to the world, um, you know, w- we could live so much closer to what our real potential is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But that that is the process. You know, I think if it came to us so easily, we wouldn't appreciate it as much. It's probably true. You know, it's that's just the way it works. You know, it is the mm-hmm. it is the paradox. Let's talk a little bit about superpowers, because I know that your definition of superpowers is uh, perhaps different than what comes to people's minds. <laughs> right. So in this book, we use superpowers um, for three main qualities, uh, your core values, which are things like kindness, Uh, honesty, generosity, family, um, they're the things that you hold most important and um, they're a useful metric in terms of gauging whether something is right or not for you. And the second is your gifts and everybody has gifts and um, it's it's not a hard thing to uh, identify what your gifts are or to have other people help you identify those gifts and hopefully Um, You have some sort of avenue for sharing your gifts with your community. It's uh, it it adds a huge um, significance and meaningfulness and and benefit to your community to be able to use and share your gifts. And the third is your life purpose, which is um, something that we believe everybody can define and refine over time. But that when you consciously align your life with a life purpose that 
um, you find yourself living in a certain almost magical sort of momentum where opportunities arise and you, you simply feel like you're on the right path. Ah, Joseph Campbell calls that the hero's journey, right? Yes, you know, that's right. Door, doors will open where there had once been walls. But for somebody who may not know their life purpose, and I know that you, I don't know, I would guess that you see a lot of clients that come to you saying, I don't know what my purpose is. I, I, I'm just, I'm caught in a, in, a, in, a, in a loop on a habit trail and I don't know how or where to get off. Yeah, it's a huge stumbling block for people and, um, we initially introduced it in, in our previous book called The Rituals for Living Dream Book. And um, we found that many people uh, said this was a life-changing thing for me. And probably just as many people said, I, I can't get through this part of the book because um, <laughs> I just don't know. And uh, I think you're we're limited if we believe that life purpose is something that's just going to come to us in a flash of inspiration or that it's going to just, you know, the divine is going to reach down and like, you know, pin it to our chest or something. Um, and it, for most people, you can just consider your life circumstances and your gifts and just choose something and go with it and see how it feels and refine it over time. And for, for most people who have trouble with that, I suggest starting really simple. Like if you started with a life purpose of, my purpose is to um, bring upliftment to my every interaction with the world. And you just tried that out for a week or so. And then see, oh, maybe by the end of the week, you, you feel that actually works perfectly for me. I, there's an opportunity in every interaction to somehow elevate that interaction. Um, or maybe you say, you know, I think I need to get it more specific. Um, I want it to be about children, particularly, or about women or something, you know, more, more specific to you and your skill set or your gifts. I agree with you that it is about trying different things that, you know, treating life um, as an adventure, which oftentimes uh, we don't because we're operating from a place of fear or obligation or routine. So maybe it's switching up the mindset and, and being more like a scientist. Well, if I go over here and try this, what happens when I do it? You know, how do I feel? What is my impact? What is the sustainability of it? Right. And I think that when you happen upon a purpose that's right for you, um, pretty much any part of your life can fit into that somehow. And I, I've talked to clients who've said things like, well, you know, um, my life purpose is to, let's say, help people um, express themselves and heal from childhood wounds or something. Um, and tonight I'm just going out on a date with my partner. So uh, how do I do that in alignment with my purpose? And I would say, <laughs> Well, you, for one, it, you're nourishing yourself in some way by doing that. And for two, you're engaging in human culture in a way that's going to allow you to be more relatable and, you know, to understand the human condition. So that seems perfectly appropriate to me. Um, and then people say, oh, OK, well, I get it now and, and I can just live my life and, and have that as a guiding light. But it doesn't have to mean that everything has to change. Yeah. I think that's a really important point because people uh, become fearful of change. And mm -hmm. if they can incorporate these elements of 
purpose in our daily lives, I think that that is a game changer because you see that it's in those little tiny spaces. Um, and maybe that's what we have or many moments of that spaciousness that gets stitched together. And pretty soon you end up feeling and seeing a radical shift. It's true. Uh, I think that sense of significance is something that a lot of people are yearning for, maybe without being able to put a finger on it. And um, they feel like they're just sort of being swept along by life and the massive flow of um, of data in the form of tweets and Facebook updates and news and everything like that. And they're just kind of, you know, keeping their head above the water. Um, and then when they make this choice to align with something, then, you know, even if the day felt like it sort of swept along, they have these anchor points that they can look back on or that they can even feel like, oh, yeah. And then I really dropped in with that person. They were just ringing up my groceries. But <laughs> next thing I knew. I, you know, I have the vision when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you drop, you drop in. You drop mm -hmm. in and you get in sync, right? Yeah. And that is, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing when that happens. You write about um, defining what you want from life. And I think this is something that we should all be challenged or challenge ourselves to do. What is it that we want from life? And then the flip side, I say, is um, what are we willing to give to life? Yeah, it's true. You know, that second part, we generally urge people with their life purpose statement to make it something about service, serving other people, serving the world. And um, and I think when you are when you give in that way, you inevitably receive you. You receive what you give and um, you see your value when you share it. Um, so for a lot of people who can't really see what their value is, when they put it out in the world and they give it to others, um, they don't lose anything. If anything, they have a recognition of what they really have of great value to share with the world. That is the secret sauce, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, that's what I've come come to know as as I've gotten older. It is in the giving it away that the, the greatest gifts are received. Dr. Peter Borton, we are out of time. I can't believe it. <laughs> I feel like we could continue this conversation for hours we could we could but you'll have to come back and in the meantime i want to just let our listeners know that we've been talking with dr peter borton he is the co-author along with his wife brianna borton of the new book the well life how to use structure sweetness and space to create balance happiness and peace to learn more please visit thedragontree.com on twitter at dragon tree spa and on facebook the Dragon Tree. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests today, Dr. Samantha Boardman and Dr. Peter Borton, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of consciously curated talk radio from the heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on Toginet, 
iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.